Hello and welcome to the Grace Point Community Podcast Network. My name is Joey Butch. I'm the youth pastor at Grace Point Community Church. And we are playing a little catch-up today. We have a sermon today from two weeks ago. Pastor Chuck uh, preached a sermon titled, um, God Went to the Enemy's Camp and Reclaimed What Was Mine. And uh, he just he did a great job preaching there. And so if you want to listen to it again, or if you have a friend that you really want to hear that sermon and you've just been waiting to uh, hear it again or have a way for, to show it to them, well, here it is. So uh, without any further ado, here is Pastor Chuck with his message from two weeks ago. If that don't preach, I don't know what does. Hey, uh, I'm Chuck Chapman. I'm the outreach pastor at Grace Point uh, Community Church here, and I just really appreciate the opportunity to stand in the gap for my pastor here and fill in while he's getting better and drawing close to the Lord at home. And just so it said, Scott, Scott, hi. I love you, Daddy. <laughs> hey, uh, we're into... Uh, 2021. Uh, this is the year uh, where he leads, we will follow. Do we got that image there on that PowerPoint somewhere? Uh, 2021, uh, where he leads, we will follow. Uh, we're talking this year about following the Lord and learning to follow him on a daily basis and uh, showing up for our marching orders and our daily bread. And uh, I really like that photo. Uh, Michaela and I uh, worked together on that and, um, you know, as per Scott's direction. And, uh, you know, they say that a photo is worth a thousand words, you know, and that photo says a lot. As you see there, Jesus is walking on water, which implies that sometimes following the Lord isn't going to be easy. It's it's not going to be convenient. It's going to be fearful at times. But uh, God never said it'd be easy. He just said it'd be worth it. And so this year, we're talking about the following the Lord, and wherever He goes, we're going to follow. And uh, there's all kinds of different ways to follow. Um, there's following in hot pursuit. There's um, following uh, at a later date and time. There's following wholeheartedly. And then there's the kind of following that I believe the Lord's asked me to come here to talk to you today about, and that is following from a distance. And so before we get into that, I'd just like to take a minute here and, and pray. Um, I'm a little bit off my game. Uh, you know, I, I like it when everyone's here, but at the same time, I like it when, you know, we got what we got here, and we're appreciative for that. But just... Uh, it's a little bit weird preaching to a semi-empty room here, you know, and so uh, I just, uh, I need to ask the Lord to help me today to be faithful, to share with you what it is that He's shared with me. So uh, if you're at home, would you bow your heads and uh, join me um, in order that we can just receive what it is that the Lord has for us today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank them, but I, I thank you for the opportunity to come here and share what's on my heart and what it is that you shared with me. But Lord, um, I just acknowledge my weakness and my inability to do anything redeeming apart from you, God. I acknowledge that I or my words cannot save anyone or put them in the right direction, but Lord, your words can. Lord, your words are power life-changing power, destiny-altering power, God, can be found in your words and your book alone. And so, Lord, uh, for whatever reason, you like to use the weak things of the world in order to convey your message. And, Lord, I acknowledge that I am a weak thing. And uh, 
I don't want to stand in the way of anything it is that you want to do or say here today. I just want to be faithful in proclaiming your word, Lord, and pointing people to your son, Jesus. But Lord, I got a tendency to have my mind in a hundred places at once and uh, help me just for this time here together today to be present, to be here in this moment with you and nobody else, not to be off in the future and what I'm doing after church today and where I'm going, but just not to worry about the time, just to worry about connecting hearts with you. Help us all to do that, Lord. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear the message of hope and direction and following you that you've given us for today. And we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I want to talk to you about those who have chosen to follow the Lord at a comfortable distance. And due to either compromise, neglect, or flat-out rejection, you now find yourself surrounded behind the enemy lines and you don't know how to get back to where you once were or where you need to be. You got no power, you got no peace, and most importantly, you got no presence of the Lord. Maybe you're watching this today and you find yourself feeling like a prisoner of war because the, over time the enemy's taken from you, your friends, your family, your freedom, your faith, and perhaps even the joy of the Lord that you once knew. Maybe you're in a place where over time, You've given parts of your heart away to something else. Maybe it's something good. Maybe it's something not. Maybe fear has taken over. I was talking with a friend of mine today that says, seems like the enemy's stolen his joy. Well, today, we're going to talk about how to get that back. Amen, somebody? Amen. Uh, 2020, if anything, uh, with all the churches being closed, it's, it's, it's very easy to slip into complacency, especially when your familiar avenues of connecting with the heart of the Lord aren't, aren't available for you. And now maybe I'm talking to you today and maybe you're like, well, that doesn't apply to me, Pastor. Me and God are rock solid, you know. Well, listen, if you've read this book, <laughs> we have a long, rich history of complacency. And so maybe you're not here today, um, but maybe one day you will be. And so I would suggest you get your ears on there and because uh, we need to know how we, we get back. Now, before we start, I want you to know that if you were willing to return to the captain of your salvation, the good news of today is no matter how far gone you may be, no matter how long you've been a prisoner of war, or no matter how deep you are into the enemy's counsel, our captain has said, for he will never leave you behind enemy lines, nor will he forsake a fallen soldier who is willing to call out and return to him. There is no length that he will not travel to to get you. There are no prison doors that he does not hold the keys to. And even if he didn't have the keys, he'd just kick in the door and carry you out. Or he'd just give the word and it would melt right before him. Friends, I'm telling you what I know. I'm not speaking here from uh, ideology or anything like that. I'm, I'm speaking from experience. Uh, I've been through compromise, led to the enemy's camp and surrounded by the enemy. I've had that happen to me before getting saved, and I've had that happen to me after getting saved. It's a lot easier than you think it is. I mean, and maybe you, you can relate. Maybe you're in a place today, you know, especially coming out of this last year where you just feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling, just bouncing right back off here. They used to say the heavens were brass, you know. And, uh, may, you know, I've been at a place in my life where I just felt like, man, going to church felt like going to the dentist, man. I'd just rather go there, you know, because, man, just God was moving all over the place, but not in here. 
where it needed to happen first, you know? And so maybe that's where you're at. You've lost your joy. You've lost your hope. Maybe you've got some, through time, you, you, you've given your heart over to unforgiveness. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because today we got a message for you called, The Lord Went to the Enemy's Camp and Took Back What He Stole From Me. Amen, somebody? Uh, I got a picture here of the title. Do we got that picture here with the enemy? Or not the enemy, the king? They'll get it in a minute. But either way, uh, while they're working on that, there's this song. Uh, I first heard it when I got out of jail and released a teen challenge, which was an Assemblies of God, and which is more or less Pentecostal. And nothing, nothing wrong with the Pentecostal. I think some of us Nazarenes could use a little bit more Pentecostal, but don't tell the district I said that. Amen, somebody? <laughs> but with that, with that, uh, in the song, the song says, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. And so, and then they start beating the drum. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole. And then they do this thing. Here, can, can you get me over here? They start stomping their feet and they're like, he's under my feet. He's under my feet. He's under, and, and you know, me, I got a wrestling background. I, I'm waiting for like, you know, Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid, I'm waiting for like some sweet chin music right there, you know? And so I'm like, what are these guys doing? <laughs> but it's, it's a catchy song, but it's bad theology. I never liked the name of that song. I went to the enemy's camp and took back what he stole from me. That's why today's message is called, The Lord Went to the Enemy's Camp and Took Back What He Stole From Me. Yeah, I got a picture there for you. We're talking about King David today. There's a picture of King David, well, you know... A lot of you people don't know this, but, uh, you know, for us pastors, you know, the Lord will send us pictures from the past, you know, through Gmail, that's capital G, you know, and he <laughs> gives us these photos, you know, and sends them to us, just so you can put a name to the face, you know, and uh, you know, I can't help but notice a striking resemblance between <laughs> Pastor Joey and King David, you know, and who knew, you know, and it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got some nice Goldilocks there, man, just <laughs> long flowing mane, you know, but... Uh, all joking aside, anytime I get a chance to Photoshop, Joey, you know what I'm going to do. Don't ask me to preach, Scott. You know a Photoshop's coming, you know. Just be glad it wasn't you this time. But as I was saying, the song, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. That's bad theology. You can't go to the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from you. If you could have done it, you'd have done did it by now. Right. Amen, somebody? Amen. If you could have done did it, you wouldn't need the captain of your salvation. And so that's why the Lord goes to the enemy's camp. And he takes back what he stole from you. And that's today, the title of today's message. And so we see this scenario of, you know, a little bit of compromise. Next thing you know, you're surrounded behind enemy lines here. We see this same scenario of following God at a comfortable distance, only to end up in the enemy's camp, play out in the life of King David. A man, mind you, that the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. And so uh, I want to tell you a little bit about this, this David guy before I get to our scriptures today. Here's King Saul, the first king of Israel, and uh, he didn't do things like God told him to do. And so that's a lesson right there for another time that obedience is, is important. And so God calls up another man, a man after his own heart. He calls up David. And so the prophet Samuel comes to David, and he anoints him to be king. And so somehow this got out. I mean, I don't imagine it was a big secret, but... Uh, but Saul eventually knew because Saul or King David ended up going to work in Saul's palace and he becomes a commander. He fights David and Goliath. He fights the giant from the land of Gath. Remember that name. It's going to come back out, Easter egg. He goes and fights this giant. He comes back. He goes out to fight war with the Philistines. The Israelites start singing this song. Well, Saul has slain his thousands and David's his tens of thousands. And Saul starts getting real jealous. 
He's the king after all. The focus should be on him. But man, it's not that David was trying to promote himself. He's just going out and being faithful and obedient to the things. But the bottom line is, this prophet Samuel comes to David and anoints him to be king. David knows that he has a call on his life. Just in the same way that every believer in this room and every believer at home has a call on your life. If you're in the kingdom, there's no sideliners. You're all in the game right here. And every single one of you got a call on your life. I don't care where you've been, what you've done, how long you've been there. God's got a call on your life for His purposes and His pleasure and not our own. That's not to say it's not pleasurable, but a lot of times we put the cart before the horse and try to do our own pleasure first. So anyways, David's called to be king. He's, he's called to be this king. Uh, now, God helped David on at least five separate occasions, uh, spared David's life from the hand of murderous Saul. Saul got pretty jealous and started trying to kill David. On five separate occasions at least, uh, God spared him only for David to take matters into his own hands. Twice, Saul had a spear and tried to pin David to the wall right there. Uh, another time, they were on, David's on one side of the mountains in the wilderness and Saul's on the other. It's like an old western or something like that they're pursuing. But then God has the Philistines invade, and Saul's got to be rerouted right there, and David spared. Another time, David was hiding in a cave. Saul came into that cave. I'm not going to tell you what he's doing in there. It's not important. But if you've read the story, you know, you know. And so with that, uh, David could have killed him there, but he didn't. And then a fifth time, Saul and his men fell into a deep sleep by the Lord, and these guys come in. They grab Saul's spear and a bucket, and they, I mean, his, his, Abishai, he's like, David, you want me to run this guy through? And David's like, no, how, how could I touch the Lord's anointed, you know? Go off here? Okay, Anyways, five times God spared David, and there is no reason that, it, it, that we can't assume that God would have spared him 500 more times. Amen? God was faithful. But David, he made a compromise. He decided to take matters into his own hands. And uh, I got the scriptures here for you in 1 Samuel 27. It says, uh, And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. Then David arose and went over with the 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Moak, king of Gath. Remember that name. So David dwelt with Achish of Gath, he and his men, each man with his household, and David with his two wives. Uh, now listen. I'm going to have some trouble pronouncing this, and it's not that I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's just this is Kentucky, and this is how we pronounce it in the great state of Kentucky. Ahinonam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, uh, Nabal's widow. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. It's so easy, so easy to say, hey, this only makes sense. This is logical. One plus one equals two. You know, two plus two equals four. Uh, you know, this guy's trying to kill me. God's called me to be king. Uh, you know what? I just gonna, I'm going to separate myself from this toxic relationship. That's basic common sense. But the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. And so the, the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing and don't understand. And so a lot of times it only makes sense to do this or do that. But the question is, did God say to do that? Amen, somebody. God said, I'm going to make you king of these people. And so he spared David on at least five, five occasions, but David's, David needed some breathing room. He's like, man, this is getting too intense. The closer I get to the Lord, the tougher it gets. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know? It seems to me like the closer I get, the more he's like, I'm like, okay, good, Lord. We finally got this off the to-do list. And he's like, well, I got another list here for you. you know? <laughs> and so David just 
just wanted some breathing room. And so he left. He went to the enemy's camp. He went to the Philistines. He's called to be king of the Israelites. He's been anointed. He's been set apart to God as his anointed one. All he had to do was wait and be faithful in the meantime. But instead, he goes to the enemies and says, I'll be a captain. I'll be a captain. I will take matters, my life, into my own hands, and I'm going to the enemy's camp, and I will serve there. But in doing so, he threw his calling out the window. Anybody ever been there? I know I have. I made some compromises. I made some mistakes after getting saved. I threw my calling away. And David did here too, so I guess I'm in good company. But the Lord went to the enemy's camp and took back what he stole from me. Now, the funny thing about when we try to fit in the world is we're not supposed to fit in with the world. And so first, David goes over to these enemies' camp, and, and you, you, you start seeing what he was saying, uh, where, where to go. Then David said, and I don't have this in the slides. Then David said to Achish, if I have now found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So Achish gave him Ziglag that day. Therefore, Ziglag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. That's a long time to be fallen away from the Lord. Amen? And so he's over there. And the first thing he starts doing is he starts lying to fit in with the rest of the world. Anybody do that at the water cooler? Amen. Cut in on the, the funny jokes and stuff like that. Or say, yeah, yeah this and that. You know, we, we, we don't want to be out it. We don't want to be different. Who wants to do that? But the Bible says we are different. It says we're a royal priesthood. Amen. And so David, he starts by lying to fit in with, with the world. And then the next thing you know, he's in the enemy's camp half-heartedly serving the Lord. So he, he starts lying. To, so he says he's lying. Might as well keep it going. Amen. You know, that's the funny thing about lying. It's a really slippery slope. You need a lie to cover up your lie and 10 lies to back up those lies. And the next thing you know, you don't know what the truth is anymore. Amen. Anybody? Any, hey, let me ask you. <laughs> have you ever told a lie? And then I'm, I'm talking to you people at home because I know nobody here has done this. <laughs> but have you ever told a lie? And then when somebody doesn't believe you and they call you out on it, you get mad. You know, you're like, well, man, who does this guy think he is? You know, and just, oh, man, I've been there, man. Just what a joke. So David, he's there, he's talking to this king of Gath, Achish, and, he, and, he, and he's like, hey, listen, uh, you know, just give me this town, Ziglag, and uh, I'll go raid the enemy, uh, Israel, and I'll come back and I'll bring you the spoil. But what he did was, he went and raided, there, there was the Israelites, there was the Philistines, where he's in the enemy's camp, but then there was the Amalekites, you know? And so he's going to these Amalekites and these bandits, and he's raiding these, the enemies of his enemy. And so in this case, the enemy of his enemy wasn't his friend. But with that, he's going there and, and he's telling the king, he's like, oh, yeah. And he comes back with all this spoil. He's like, where'd you get all that stuff, David? Oh, I raided the, the Israelites today. I brought him back and the king was none the wiser. But see, the thing about serving the Lord half-heartedly was is you're half in, half out. And so not only was he, yeah, I mean, he was, he, these people were also the enemies of the Lord. And so not only was he advancing God's kingdom, but he was also advancing the enemy's kingdom. Amen. He was helping the enemy to gain territory. Because he was following God at a distance. He's in an enemy land, following the Lord half-heartedly, lying. Who knows what else? I mean, the Bible doesn't give us the exhaustive story. But the point is, following God at a comfortable distance and compromising what he has revealed to be true, either through his word or to you personally, always leads to greater distance and greater compromise. Can I say that again? Following God at a comfortable distance always leads to greater distance and greater compromise. If you don't believe me, look no further than the story of Peter on the night Jesus was crucified. 
He was starting to follow Jesus at a comfortable distance just to see how things would play out so he didn't get one of these around his head too. And with that, uh, before you know it, uh, when we're following God at a comfortable distance, before long, we're not following at all. Some little girl scared him. Same guy just cut, a, cut an ear off. You know, he's now afraid of a little girl, you know. Uh, when we follow him at a distance, before long, we won't be following him at all. And see, the enemy always says it's just one time. Amen? If you'll just bow down and worship me one time, Jesus, I'll give you all these kingdoms. I'll just eat the fruit. You won't die. Listen, I'm here to tell you, it's never one time. I'm a former alcoholic. It was never just one beer. Amen? It was always his five buddies or his 11 buddies with him. It's never just one time. It's, he's got you. He's got you. He owns you. Uh, David learned this the hard way, and he got himself into quite the pickle. Thus came the day that his compromise required greater compromise and the enemy's camp went to war with the Israelites, and David found himself on the wrong side of history. In the book of 1 Samuel 29, the story picks up here. And I've got 11 verses here. I'm going to read them to you, but I'm going to go through them fast. Um, I want you to see this at home, and I want you guys to see this here too. Uh, then the Philistines gathered together all their armies at, at, at Aphek, uh, not to be confused with Aflac, um, at Aphek. And the Israelites encamped by the fountain, which is in Jezreel. And the Lord of the Philistines passed in review by hundreds and thousands. They're reviewing their ranks. But David and his men passed in review at the rear with Akish. Then the princess of the Philistines said, what are these Hebrews doing here? And Akish said to the princess of the Philistines, is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me all these days or these years? And to this day, I have found no fault with him since he has defected to me. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it's a problem when the enemy finds no default in you. Amen, somebody? I should let you know you're in the wrong place. But the princess of the Philistine were angry with him. So the, the princess of the Philistine said to him, Make this fellow return that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him. And do not let him go down to battle with us, lest in the battle he become our adversary. For with what could he reconcile himself to his master if not with the heads of these men? Is this not David of whom they sang to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands? Then Akish called David and said to him, Surely as the Lord lives, you have been upright, and you're going out, and you're coming in with me, and the army is good in my sight. For to this day I have found no evil in you since the day of your coming to me. No, David was lying. He just didn't get caught. Amen, somebody? Nevertheless, the lords do not favor you. Therefore, return now and go in peace that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. So David said to Achish, but what have I done? And to this day, what have I found in your servant? As long as I have been with you, that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my Lord the King. Can we hit the pause button right there? Hear me on this. Uh, I don't know what was going on in David's mind right now for those words to come out of a man of God's mouth. Either A, he's lying again, and I pray to God that's the case here, and he's, he's just trying, he's like, oh my God, I escaped a major bullet here today, you know, oh, hey, you know, <laughs> Achish, haven't I been cool in your sight, man, you know, I hope that, but man, I mean, maybe he wants to go fight Saul, maybe he's tired of being in exile, you know, uh, let me tell you, I've been in exile, amen, they took me handcuffed, kicking and screaming one time back to Florida, a place I said I'd never go, 1,200 miles, they hotboxed me in a van down there to Florida on a probation violation, and I tell you, for over uh, 15 months, actually 15 plus the three in jail, man, that whole time I was away from my native land, my home of Kentucky. And man, that's a rough place to be. Amen? And so maybe, maybe that's what's going on here. Maybe he's like, you know what, I've, I've been taking matters into my own hand. I might as well just go ahead and put the final nail in the coffin. I don't know. But let me tell you this. Whether he's lying or whether he's turned, uh, do you see how compromise 
leads to greater compromise. Compromise always requires greater payment. In full, usually. Amen? Jumping back to our verse. Then Achish answered and said to David, I know that you are good in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, princes of the Philistines have said, He shall not go up with us to the battle. Now therefore, rise early in the morning with your master's servants who have come with you, and as soon as you are up early in the morning and have light, depart. So David and his men rose early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. In this story, luckily for David, God made a way out, and he took it. Amen? The Philistine, David's ready. David's at a place he should have never have been. Amen? He's behind enemy's lines. And not only that, he's got a position of leadership with the enemy. So, I mean, that's, that's even worse. And so he's there, and, man, it, it comes time for greater compromise to what God has called him to do. And he, maybe he's figuring, man, I threw my calling away. There's no hope anymore. I might as well just look out for me and my four and no more. I, I don't know. I don't know what was going on in his head and his heart. But I know this, that God is faithful. And the Word says that uh, He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. But with the temptation will always, everybody say always at home, everybody here too, always, always make a way of escape. Sometimes that's the, the phone ringing, sometimes it's the internet crashing, sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, your way of escape is right here. These two feet, amen? That was Joseph's way of escape in the Old Testament when Potiphar's wife cornered him, amen? Sometimes you're on two feet. God knows you got it in you to overcome that. Hit, hit the road, buddy. Get to running. Run back to the Lord with everything you got. But God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. However, even though God will always do His part and provide a way out of temptation, when we begin to follow God at a comfortable distance or compromise certain things in our walk with the Lord, there are always, once again, always negative repercussions that will follow. Can you stick your hand to the stove without getting burnt? No. Likewise. David also learned this the hard way. Now, I want to hit the pause button right here with everybody and say, I've given you the backstory. I've given you the whole rundown of this is what led us to this point. And what I'm about to share with you is what I believe the Lord has brought me here today to say. Amen. You're like, man, he's been preaching for a while. He's just now getting to his point. <laughs> well, good news is I only got one other page after this. We're already halfway done, you know, so you, you, I got three notes here today. But with that, uh, specifically, specifically, what I believe the Lord's brought me here to share with you today is I think he wants to show you the consequences of what happened when we begin to follow him at a, at a, at a comfortable distance. And not only that, but how to quickly and correctly get back to following him if we have found ourselves in such a position in the enemy's camp. Amen? Because it's a lot easier to slip in there than you, you'd realize. So jumping back into our story, this, this is what I want you to see. If you're at home, uh, as Joey said last week, put down the bowl of Fruit Loops. Stop playing with the dog. <clears throat> you know? <laughs> so, get in this. David returns from a place he should have never been. And he finds that his camp, within the enemy's camp, has been attacked by a greater enemy. Funny how that works out, isn't it? When you ain't got the Lord's hedge of protection on you, funny how the enemy can get to you a lot easier. We're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1, and this will be the thing. Now it happened, when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire 
and had taken captive the women and those who were, were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices, and they wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinanam, the Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Amalek's son, please. Notice the word please. I hear people say all the time, I'm going to hit the pause button there. I hear people say all the time, well, I just can't get to my devotions. I can't get to this, you know. Uh, maybe on the front end, your time with the Lord should have an element of duty to it. Like, hey, you need to start reading your Bible. You need to start going to church, walking in this newness of life. But after a while, that duty should turn to a sense of delight. You don't have to. You get to. Amen, somebody? You get an audience with the king. Amen? David had forgot that. But then he remembered. Then he remembered. Jumping back in. Then David said, please, please. If I'd have been writing this, I'd have wrote, for the love of God, <laughs> bring, bring the ephod back here to me. It's kind of like an iPod, but it's an ephod. It was the first one. It's no big deal. Surprised you guys didn't know that. Please bring the ephod here. And Abathar brought the ephod. I know I'm pronouncing that, but that's how we say it in Kentucky. To David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, now watch this. David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, God, answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Let's hit the pause button again. I want to share something with you here. The teacher in me will not allow me to pass over this. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care where you're at in life. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, where you find yourself now at the time you're watching this at home. I don't care what it is. God knows where you're at. Amen? Not only that, whatever situation, whatever giant you may be fighting, it hasn't caught God by surprise. It says He has numbered your days. Teach us to number our days, Lord. It says every tear you ever cried is bottled in heaven. It says every hair on your head is ever accounted for. I and mean, that's better news for some of you than the rest of us. You know, I'm starting there myself. But with that, with that, God knows everything. Right here, I want you to catch this verse. God knows everything about your future. He knows every encounter you're going to have. He knows every day you're going to have. He knows every hurt you're going to suffer, every offense you're ever going to take. There is nothing, nothing that is not in God's book of life that He doesn't know about you. Anything that's in your future, well, am I going to get a job? Am I going to lose my place? Is my marriage going to break up? God is in control, and he knows. God knows everything. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He knows everything about you. He knows everything that's going to happen to you. But now here's what I want to show you. Not only does he have your future all laid out there, I mean, you, you, you can do what you want, but also he doesn't just know the future, he knows the potential future. Look at this. It says, then David said, please bring this thing here. And so David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake him? And the Lord said, yes, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. 
God knew if there was a path before David. Should I go? Should I not go? And so God doesn't just know the path that he took. He knows the other path as well. I, I mean, that, that, you know, that's cool. Not only does he know everything that's going to happen, he knows every possible hypothetical scenario that could come out from if, if, you know, like you get up in the morning, you get out of the left side of the bed. He knows what would happen if I'd have got out of the right side of the bed. I get out on the left side, by the way. Amen, somebody. That's another subject. With that, God knows every hypothetical scenario. If you choose to take the job, to not take the job, to ask the girl to marry you, to not ask the girl to marry you. And guess what? It's all under control. It's all under control. I love that. So I just, I think that's cool. Jumping back in. Shall I overtake them? And he answered, pursue, for you shall overtake them. And without fail, recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men and who were with him, and came to the brook uh, Bezer where uh, those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind who were so weary they could not cross back over. Now I'm going to jump over here to verse 16. Uh, leave out a little bit of the story, but that's okay. Uh, and when he had brought him down, there they were spread out over all the land. Here's the Amcalites. There's his wife. There's his kid. There's all their livestock. Eating and drinking and dancing uh, because all of the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day, not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. Now check this, verse 19. And nothing, nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them, David recovered Oh, man, that's cool. And if that ain't cool enough, here it goes even further. Verse 20, and this is the last verse I'm, I'm quoting at you today, so we've, we've made it through. It says, then, then David took all the flocks and the herds they had driven before those other livestock, before their livestock. It turns out these enemies had livestock of their own. And David took those and said, this is David's spoil. Amen. You know it's serious when you talk about yourself in the third person. Amen. This, he's like, this is David's spoil. Amen. Somebody, they're like, okay, it's yours. You know? <laughs> no question, no question. And so <laughs> with that, my point is, it wasn't David that went to the enemy's camp. It was the Lord. Because he's like, Lord, shall I pursue him? And the Lord said, yes, pursue. And so not only, not only did the Lord go to the enemy's camp and get back everything they took from David, but he gave them back so much more. He gave them their stuff too. He gave back more, and he gave back better than David ever had. You don't believe me? The story then goes on to say that the man seeking David's life, King Saul, died in that same battle. And David returned home after that. His exile was over now that he's walking with the Lord, and he became king over Judah for seven years. Seven years. Meanwhile, God started building his character, and David was faithful in obedience and picking back up where he left off. And when David was ready and his character was right, God promoted him to unite the nation and become the king of Israel as formerly promised. He regained his calling. Amen, somebody. In short, even after all of his compromises, even after all of David's mistakes, and even after all of David's flat-out sins, the Lord still went to the enemy's camp and took back what he stole from that David. And not only that, 
but he gave him back so much more than he ever had. Uh, he became a king. He had more wives, more sons and daughters, had all these things, more territory, you know, and just gave it back. And so to summarize, this guy had nothing, nothing when God called him. Amen? And we may think we have something when God calls us, but trust me, we don't. This guy had nothing. He was in a pasture. He went from tending a pasture to tending the palace. Amen? He was the promised, prophesied prince of Israel, and he threw it away. He threw it away through compromise, through neglect, and flat-out rejection. He lied. He killed. This guy, man, he's, he's, he's done some stuff in his life, man. Out of all the guys in the Bible, I can relate to King David the most, me, me and David. Not just in his victories, but in his losses and his defeats and compromises as well. I can relate to David the most. But he threw away the call. But the main thing is, is God got it back. But how did this happen? I think we need to know that because maybe you're there today. Or maybe you've lost a step. It's easy to do, especially the older you get. Amen? <laughs> I'm telling you what I know. Uh, how did David get all this back? What was the, uh, the thing that tipped the scale? Um, what was the deciding factor that caused the Lord to go to the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from David? And I got three things here that I just I want to share with you, and that's all I got for today. Um, but I think these are things maybe, maybe you want to get back. Maybe you've given your heart away. Maybe you've lost your joy. Maybe you've got unforgiveness in your heart, and you can feel that the enemy's kind of just coming in. You're starting to see yourself surrounded by people that ain't necessarily friends of the Lord. And you want to get back, but you, you don't know how to get there. Well, I've been there. I've been there, and what I see with David is the exact same thing that had to happen with me. The first thing that David did to get back to following the Lord, we're talking about going from compromise to following wholeheartedly in hot pursuit of the Lord. The first thing that David did is he cried out to the Lord. Amen? He cried out to the Lord. It says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 4, Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Amen? Ladies and gentlemen, friends, brothers, sisters, maybe you're someplace you don't want to be, or maybe you'd like to be someplace else. Maybe you'd prefer to be in the palace like old David. Me too, amen? Cry out to him. Cry out to him. It says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. It says a man or a woman of companions may come to ruin, but there is one who sticks closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. And it says there's none righteous, no, not one. And so if it was dependent on you going to the enemy's camp and getting back, you'd still be there, amen? But God will kick down them enemy's gates, and he will come in, throw you over his shoulder, and bring you out. But that starts by crying out for help, crying out to him. Well, pastor, I don't know how to do that. Well, listen, it couldn't be more simpler. God's made it innate inside of all of us that all of us know how to call on the Lord. If you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife, and you've ever messed up and had to make things right, I'm here to tell you that you can make things right with you and the Lord. Baby, I'm sorry. Amen. Don't call the Lord baby. He don't like that. Trust me. <laughs> but the same principle applies. God, I'm sorry. Man, I blew it. I messed up again. I was living for me instead of living for you. I did what I wanted to do. I did what I thought was right. I didn't wait on you. I charged in when I should have been still. I went left when I should have went right. And God, I don't care what happens from here on out. I will do whatever you tell me to do for as long as you tell me to do it. And I'm sorry. 
That's crying out to the Lord. And so there, if you're at home and you're watching this, you're like, you know what? I need to do that. Uh, at the end, we're going to pray, and we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. But that's, that's step one. Cry out to the Lord. He'll never reject you. You know, he'll never forsake you. He's right there. The second thing that David did, notice where it says he strengthened himself in the Lord. I love that. All these other guys are weeping and crying and thinking about stoning David. And David says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. Then David and his people were with him. Lifted, oh, no, sorry, that's the other one. Verse 6, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and daughters but David strengthened himself in the Lord. I love that. Um, just to kind of give you an idea of this, uh, I had a bad dream last night. Uh, I had a dream that my kid died, you know, and, and I found her, you know, pretty dark. For, you know, I know I'm a pastor and all, but just sometimes you have too much pizza before bed and weird stuff gets in there when you watch a lot of detective shows, you know. Anyways, uh, I was devastated. I was screaming at the top of my lungs in my, in my dream that my, my, my child was gone. Imagine these 400, 600 men, their wives, their kids, everything they've ever loved and put their hopes in, it's just gone. Uh, it was so bemoaning. It woke me up out of my sleep. I was like, oh, my God. My sister or my kids at my sister's house, I, I, I about hopped in the car at 4 a.m. <laughs> Get her out here, you know. She needs a hug. <laughs> I need a hug. And so naturally, man, just when, when, when life hits and it hits, you just want to crawl up in a ball and die. I've been there. But the difference between the men of the world and the men of God is they know who to go to to find strength. And so David strengthened himself in the Lord. He didn't give himself to the fear. He didn't give himself to the, to the enemy. He gave himself to his faith. And he strengthened himself in the Lord. So maybe you're here. Well, how do I strengthen myself in the Lord? What exactly does that look like? I'm glad you asked. Uh, what from your relationship with the Lord rejuvenates you? What brings you life? Man, when Jimmy gets up here, man, and he starts singing for him, it's worship, man. When he starts, I mean, just, you know, tears start falling. You can see that the Spirit of God is just flowing in him and out of him to us and stuff like that. That's, that's where he meets the Lord. Now, me, I'm, I, I love the Word of God, man. I'll get in there first and foremost, man. I, I just keep reading, keep reading, keep reading until something just jumps off the page and slaps me in the face and the Holy Spirit's like right there, you know? Uh, I love that. Coming to church, coming to Grace Point. Sheila, Sheila Safford's a, a big server. I know she connects to the heart of the Lord when she's up here doing for the Lord, and I can appreciate that. So strengthening yourself in the Lord comes in many shapes or forms, you know, but man, uh, prayer, Bible reading, worship, uh, church attendance, frequent fellowship with other believers. Hey, speaking of church attendance... January 31st, amen, somebody. Uh, having the big reopening, Scott's coming back that day. We're going to have a celebration, and we hope to see you here. That's January 31st, and so we're looking forward to you on that. But do that. That's how you strengthen yourself in the Lord. You come together with these people. You're talking about the things of God. Maybe read a, a Christian literature book or something like that, or maybe you like Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. I don't know. That's kind of weird, but okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. But you strengthen yourself in the Lord by drawing near to the Lord. The Lord says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And that is a promise you can take to the bank. Amen, Amen somebody? There's no way that cannot happen. And the Bible, God, God likes to play hide and seek. Amen? I'm not too big on it, but God sure likes it because it says, it, you, then you'll pray and seek me. And when you search for me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, declareth the Lord. 
And so just run at him with everything you've got. If you run at him half as fast as you've been running at the rest of the world and the other things, and good things, great things, if you run at him half that speed, uh, you're going to look a year from now and your life's not going to be the same. Right. Amen? Third and final thing David did. He cried out to the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord as God. And then he returned to following God's direction for his life instead of his own. This is the big one. Then David said to Abathar the priest, please, please bring me the ephod here. And Abathar brought the ephod or ephod, however you say it, to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? He's asking God's direction. Shall I overtake them? He answered, yes, pursue for you shall surely overtake them without fail and recover all. The third thing David did is he returned to following God's direction instead of his own. If you remember, David went. He's like, you know what? Saul's going to kill me. I need some breathing room. God, I'm just going to separate myself from this toxic relationship. And let, let me just say, there are times in your life where you absolutely need to separate yourself from some toxic relationships. But make sure that's at the Lord's prompting, not yours. Right. I've had some toxic relationships in my life that I wanted to separate myself from, but those people needed to see the love of Jesus. And if I had, they wouldn't be standing with the Lord where they're standing right now today. Amen. I don't say that to say, look at me. I say that to say, look at him. But uh, make sure the Lord's the one telling you to do it instead of your own. And so he's like, God, what do you want me to do? Should I pursue these guys? Should I not pursue these guys? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Where do you need me, Lord? That should be our, our heart cry. What do you want me to do today? Um, as I said on the front end of this, I found myself behind enemy's lines before getting saved and after getting saved. Before I got saved, uh, I was a full-blown alcoholic for 15 years. Uh, most of you know that, but maybe our new family from Newport, which is now Grace Point community as well, uh, maybe you don't know that. And uh, I was a full, full-blown, fall-down, belligerent drunk for 15 years, regular drug user. Uh, it got bad. It got bad. I started out as the happy drunk. I love you, man, you know, and this and that. And... Uh, but then that got replaced with anger, suspicion, yelling, screaming, beating my chest, breaking things, flipping over furniture, laundry stacked on the floor higher than the washer, empty plates, bowls, dirty dishes everywhere, ashtrays spilled, beer bottles clanging all over the place. I stopped brushing my teeth because I didn't like looking in the mirror. I didn't like, uh, I didn't recognize the person in the mirror staring back at me, and nor did I like the way he was looking at me too much. <laughs> Somebody. Stopped bathing, started throwing up every morning, losing my bladder while I slept. I was becoming like some kind of animal, like Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. If you don't know that story, that's amazing. God restored him. He restored my mind too. And so uh, I lost all these things. And it's not really that I lost them all. I gave them all away piece by piece, you know, relationship after relationship, thinking a relationship was the thing that was going to bring me hope. So I went from relationship to relationship a relationship or a job. Oh, okay, this and that. Oh, I know, I'll move to Florida. You know, that'll fix everything. <laughs> you know, funny thing about it, guys, is no matter where you go, there you are, you know. And I don't know about you all, but I've had, there's been one common denominator with every problem I've ever had in my entire life, and that's the fact that I was present, you know. <laughs> and so you can't be with this person and the government and my kids and my spouse and my ex and no, it's you. I know that because it was me. Ah, uh, but then I got locked up, looking at five years prison, and I cried out to the Lord. Amen? And this time it wasn't a, if you get me out of jail, I'll never do it again. Amen? I prayed that 
a thousand times, amen, and it never took. This last go-round, I said, uh, God, if you're real and if you exist, show yourself. And he did. I said, uh, I never meant to become an alcoholic. I never meant to hurt all those people and waste my life. I wish I could turn my addiction on and off like a light switch, but I can't. Can you? And uh, I eventually bonded out. My father sent me to Central Church of the Nazarene where Larry Dillon was preaching. I sat in the back, and I mean the back back, buddy. The only people farther than me was the sound booth, and I was thinking about asking them to switch seats with me. <laughs> Amen, somebody? And Larry preached a message, never met me, didn't know me from Adam. And uh, it's like he knew everything about me. The Spirit came alive through that message and just cut me to the core. And I met Larry after the sermon, and uh, he did something. He said uh, that no one else had ever done. He said, can I pray for you? He didn't judge me. Just love me. And as he began to pray for me, man, uh, 15 years of hurts, habits, hang-ups, came out these tear ducts and hit the floor. He made me feel loved. He made me feel important. He made me feel like I mattered. He made me feel like God could do something with this train wreck of a life. And so he and I cried out to the Lord together, and God did not disappoint, and nothing's ever been the same since. At that point, the Lord began to go into the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from me. Now, just because you've been forgiven by your Father in heaven don't mean you don't have to pay for the things you've done while here on earth, amen? I still had to go to jail and then go get some help that I needed. But thank God He gave me that time. It was 21 months to go away and just draw near to Him on the mountain of the Lord through the program I was in. Uh, but then I got out and I made, I made some other mistakes and gave away my heart to things I, I shouldn't have gave it away to. And then uh, once again, as a Christian, I'm behind enemy lines. But then once again, I remembered. I cried out to the Lord. Amen? When you cry out to the Lord, sometimes that involves more than just words. Amen? Someone once said that love is a verb and so is the word sorry. Amen? When you're crying out to the Lord, uh, it's more than just saying I'm sorry. It's living it. It's walking it. Uh, sometimes you've got a little bit of house cleaning to do. Some things do got to go. Some things do got to get in line. Uh, they had a saying when I was in Teen Challenge, and it said, uh, you know, when you get out of here, if you stop making your bed in the morning, you're going to get high. Uh, I never forgot that. There's lots of ways to stop making your bed in the morning. You can stop doing your devotions. You can stop going to church. You can stop reaching out for help. All kinds of ways to stop making your bed, and they were right. I stopped making my bed. That led to other compromise, to other compromise, to other compromise. And so sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, when crying out to the Lord, I just want to encourage you, you got to go back to basics. And so through the midst of all that, the Lord started to give me my stuff back. Amen. He went to the enemy's camp and he took back what he stole from me. The first thing and the most important thing was is he gave me back custody of my kid. Amen. He gave me back my daughter, Brianna. Then he brought me a wonderful, amazing woman that has to put up with me every day. Lisa, be praying for her. Amen, somebody. <laughs> Graduated me from Teen Challenge. Graduated me second in my class from God's Bible School and College. Hey, to the old principal at Dixie, Miss Morrissey, who's the dummy now? Amen, somebody? Yeah. <laughs> who's unteachable now, Miss Morrissey? <laughs> yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you win. Last word, had it both ways. <laughs> He started bringing substance 
into my life, he started bringing depth into my life. He started bringing people like Wayne and Jimmy and Hubert. Hubert, we miss you if you're watching this. I love you. LaVon. Just all these wonderful people. Ralph Murphy. I mean, I could go on and on the list. Scott. Wow. Yeah, he's got the caseload when dealing with me. (laughs) But not only did the Lord go to the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from me, but like David, he gave me so much more in return. And friends, this is what I've come here today to tell you. I don't know where you're finding yourself, or maybe you're not there yet, but maybe one day you will be. The Lord is able. If he can get a hold of me, if he can get Chuck Chapman, a.k.a. the center formerly known as Wild Thing, to bend the knee. If he can get to me, then trust me, nobody's safe. He can get to anybody. Amen? No matter where you've been, what you've done, he is able. If you'll just cry out to him, go back to basics. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. And most of all, most of all, begin to seek his direction for your life instead of your own. And that's what 2021 is all about here at Grace Point. Where he leads, we'll follow. May not always be easy, may not always be convenient, but it will always be worth it. And not only that, but he'll give you back so much more than you ever dreamed of too. If you'd have told me, what was it, 13 years ago when I was looking at five years prison, that one day I'd be standing up here, I'd be like, buddy, You better pass over whatever you're smoking right now and give that to me because that's some good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I said it. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, hey, with that, can we uh, get the praise team to come on up? And uh, I'm going to pray with you today. It was good to see Joey back up here on the guitar. Hey, uh, Joey has been really knocking it out of the park with this live stream, him and Michael Hicks and Rob and Missy and Michaela and Dustin and just... A lot of people have been making that happen, but Joey's been sacrificing a lot of his service time to work to where we can get the message to you. And so I like seeing him up here on that. You're going to get that big uh, steroided violin back up here? Is that what you're going to do again? Yeah, the cello, whatever that is. Yeah, the steroided violin. Yeah, whatever that is. Yeah. Okay, good. Hey, um, I'm going to pray. I can pray with you at home and here, but I can't pray for you. Crying out to the Lord. Uh, is something that only you can do. He is the captain of our salvation. And the only reason he can go to the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from us is because he's already done it in full. When he went to the cross and died in your place so that you wouldn't have to, he tasted death so that you could taste victory. And so with that, let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much, God. Thank you so much that victory is not dependent upon us, our ability, but just our availability. And God, I've been in a place so low in my life to where I had to look up just to see the bottom. Lord, that's before and after getting saved, as you know. But Lord, you were faithful. You charged in, you kicked in the doors of those cells in prison and those personal cells on the street that I corrected for myself. And you carried me out. And Lord, I don't know where the people are at today, Lord, or what they're facing, Lord. Maybe they're dealing with loneliness and they've lost the joy of their salvation, Lord. Maybe they've just 
had a rough year, a rough run of it, maybe a rough decade, or I don't know. But God, I know that you are able. And victory is dependent on your ability and not mine. And all we must do is call on the name of the Lord. For your word promises, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, Lord, today we call. If there's anything in our hearts, our minds, our hands that shouldn't be there, God, Lord, we just ask in the name of Jesus, would you take it? Would you take it this moment, this hour, God, and cast it as far as the east is from the west, God, and get it away from us? Lord, may we begin to live for you and to strengthen ourselves in you rather than checking out and watching TV, which is, is good for a time, but or whatever it is that we do to rejuvenate instead of going to the well for that living water, God. And may we begin to follow your direction for our life. It's not ours. You died for us so that we can live for you. Help us never to forget that. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you for the, um, the healing and the health of our pastor. We look forward to the 31st and just keep them, keep them getting well, Lord. Bless our people this week. Bless our community this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Chuck, for that great message. If you want to know more about our church, you can jump on to uh, gpcchurch.com and find all the answers you need there, at least contact information to people who may or hopefully have those answers for you. Uh, As always, you can join us uh, starting uh, this week. We are back open again in-house services. That is January 31st. Uh, so 1030 at 1438 Cox Avenue, you can join us, uh, join us live in person there, or you can join us online. Check us out on our Facebook page there. We live stream at 1030 every Sunday morning with our services there. Uh, thank you for joining us, and as always, have a blessed week.